Now we're going to get right back into our study in the book of Proverbs. I want to I want to say it. It may seem very repetitive, and it is repetitive, but I want to say this. Be sure and understand as we start. Now the wrap-up of the 29th chapter. This is God's wisdom given to us. The creator God of all things, uh, infinite in wisdom, possessing all wisdom, he actually gives us his wisdom. Now let that not grow cold to you. Tonight what we're going to study is God's wisdom that he, in his grace, makes available to us. Tonight we're going to finish up uh, the 29th chapter. As we do tonight, we are in a section of instructions, or really uh, directives, from God. And so there's several sections that occur across the book of Proverbs. We are in a section of directives, or instructions, from God. If you notice this, God in his wisdom says, uh, do these things. Be sure and do this. And then at other times in our directions, he says, do not do these things. Do not do this. Uh, it'll bring harm to you. It'll bring dishonor to him. And so there are things that we are to avoid, that we're not to do. Or he tells us, watch out for this. Now, how important is that in our day uh, with so much nutty stuff going on? He says, take note of these things. Be sure and understand these things and watch out for these things. Now, uh, you may have noticed, and if, if you wouldn't say it out loud, you may be thinking it, uh, this study's not very flashy. Tonight's not going to be very flashy. Uh, it's maybe not going to be very exciting, but we do know this it is the truth. This is the Word of God, and it is the truth. And so you may think, well, hey, this isn't that flashy. Uh, this is the truth from God Himself. And so we're in chapter 29. Last week we left off in verse 17. Tonight we're going to pick up in verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29, beginning in verse 18, it says this. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now I want to tell you, this verse I think is very often misapplied. There are some who use it to say that you have to have a vision or you have to have a plan or you will perish. That's another translation, that you will perish or you will fail. I don't know how many times, but maybe you can look back and see uh, in, in building programs, especially in the Baptist church, uh, they will use this verse and they will use it as they lay out the vision for the church, the plan for the church. If there is no vision, then the people will perish. And then they lay out the vision uh, and, then, and then start to raise the funds. Well, I want to tell you, actually, uh, this is more involved than just having a plan. Let me explain the verse to you. The vision here refers to the vision of an Old Testament prophet. Uh, an Old Testament prophet, God speaks to them, and then God speaks through them. And that's the vision that it's talking about here, uh, the vision, the word of God given to an Old Testament prophet. And so it means where there is no word from God, the people are unrestrained. Now what that means is, you look up that word in the original language, it means they are without direction. We would say they are without guardrails. And so if there is no word from God, uh, no word from the, from the prophet speaking the word of God, the people are found without direction. The verse goes on and says, but happy, blessed is he who keeps the law. Now I want you to think about this for a second. 
Now, the truth of our day is, by and large, we have set aside the word of God. Our culture has set aside the word of God. Uh, our political system, our government, uh, many of our churches have set aside the word of God. And the result in our day, and you look, you look every day, uh, is chaos. It is craziness. It's the nonsense that we're seeing all around us. And so you set aside the word of God. This is what he said would happen. And there, there's no restraint. There is chaos. There is craziness that ensues. Now I think about things that just five years ago, there are medical schools. Yale Medical School will teach there are now more than two genders. Now that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. Marriage is not definable. You can't say what a marriage is because it's not definable. I could go on and on. If there is no adherence to the word of God, people go every which way. But the Bible says this, but the one who keeps God's word, it is a very simple word, and it says this, they are happy. That's what it says. They are happy. Those that keep the law, that keep God's word, they are happy. They are glad. They have peace. I don't know if you've ever heard me say it, but God's word is actually the best way to live. I don't know if that's a secret to you. God's word, listen, it's actually the best way to live. You want to know the best way to handle your finances? It's found in God's word. You want to know the best way to, to handle your relationships? It's found in God's word. God's word actually is the best way to live. And if you will go by it, if you are led by it, listen, it's, it's deemed ignorant today, uh, superstitious today, but if you will follow the word of God, the Bible says this, you'll be happy. What a simple thing, you'll be happy. I want you to think about our day, the world we're living in. Our world has set aside the word of God. And I, I can say our world is crazy, our world is evil, our world is coming undone. But I can also say this, our world, have you noticed, is not happy. Our world's not happy. People aren't happy. Now they're, they're, they're looking for happiness. They're going every which way trying to, to find happiness. Our world has set aside the word of God, and they are not happy. Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Verse 19, a slave will not be instructed by words alone. For though he understands, there will be no response. This is pretty deep. Listen to that again. A slave will not be instructed by words alone. For though he understands, there will be no response. Again, this is really kind of a deep verse, and it's talking about motivation. That is the, really the, the theme of the verse, motivation. Now, I want you to think about this. A slave does not share in the reward of the work. A slave does not share in the reward of the work. A slave does not profit, does not share in the profit of the work. A slave does not share in the success of the work. And so here's what the verse is saying. And so you can explain what they have to do. You can explain even why they are doing it. They can understand it, but the verse says this, Yet there is no response. They do not participate in the profit of the work. They do not participate in the success 
the, the, the reward of the work. And so even though it's clearly explained to them, even though they understand it, they offer no response. For all people to act and to respond or to cease to act, it is a matter of motivation. That's what the verse is showing me here. Now, I want you to stay with me. I want you to follow this thought. If fear is the motivation, and, and there's folks and fear is the motivation, you better do this, or these are the repercussions. If fear is the motivation, there will be a day when fear is overcome. It will not last. If physical pain is the motivation, it will be resented. And so you know what? You're going to do this or you're going to suffer physical pain. If that is the motivation, that motivation will be resented. If manipulation is the motivation, uh, it won't be long and they're going to figure it out. Uh, the promise is never answered. It's a manipulation and it'll be figured out. I want you to think about this. The only true motivation, the only true motivation is love and respect. That's the only true motivation. For us today, listen to this, I can say obey God's word. And I can preach obey God's word. I can tell you it's the best way to live. Obey God's word. I can tell you over and over, here's what God has said. He'll bless it if you'll do it. It's the best way. Obey God's word. But I want to tell you, you will only desire to move and to live in obedience to the honor of God when you know and you love Jesus. Isn't, wasn't that part of the message this morning? When you know Jesus and when you love Jesus, when you see what he's done for us, when you do that, listen to me, I'll just tell you this, obedience begins to grow in you. And obedience, obedience gets easier to you. I see my, my Savior and he was slain for me. He has paid for my sin. He has overcome. He's defeated death. All the victory that we have in Jesus. And when I know Jesus, that is the motivation to walk in obedience. That's the motivation to trust him and follow in obedience. It's a case of motivation. A slave will not be instructed by words alone, for though he understands, there will be no response. Verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The word hasty here, it means hurried. Now, they are hurried. In this situation, it's not thinking about what you're going to say. It's not considering, evaluating what you're going to say. It's a person, they're quick to speak. Something happens to them, they got to answer right back. Somebody says something to them, they got to answer right back. They respond very quickly. They're hasty with their words, with their response. Well, the Bible says this, and it's a pretty stark thing. The Bible says there is more hope for a fool. Now, remember, we've, we've, we've looked at this fool several times in our study. A, a fool is not an ignorant person. A fool is a person who knows what is right, but does what is wrong anyway. You know what? I, don't, I do not care the damage it's going to cause. I do not care who it offends. I do not care what God says about it. I know what's right, but I'm going to do the wrong thing anyway. That is a fool. The Bible says they, that person, that rebellious fool... They have a better chance than a person that is hasty 
in their speech. Uh, in the New Testament book of James, he says, be quick to hear. That's the opposite. Be, listen, don't be thinking of the next thing to say. Don't already have your, your presumed answer. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. We are to consider thoughtfully our words and our responses. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Verse 21. He who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him to be a son. He who pampers his slave from childhood will in the end find him to be a son. Now, first off, I want to say this. Be very sure the Bible does not call for slavery. Uh, it does not endorse slavery. There's folks that say, well, I don't want to uh, follow the Bible. It calls for slavery. It endorses slavery. Listen, you will find nowhere in the Bible that God says to have slaves. There is nowhere, there's no verse that he says have uh, and own or possess slaves. Now listen, but it does do this. It does recognize slavery was a practice in the world. In the Old Testament world, it was a practice. In the New Testament world that Jesus is born into, it is a practice. It was a practice in the world and the culture. And so it tells people how to do right as a slave owner or as a slave. Now, I think that's an interesting thing in the New Testament. There were folks that were slave owners, and they found Christ already being a slave owner, and it told them how to operate uh, as a newborn Christian, yet as a slave owner. There were folks that got saved, and, and they were a slave, and they heard the good news of Christ, and they were saved as a slave. And it tells them how to respond to their slave owner, how to respond as a slave. And so be sure this isn't telling us in the Bible uh, to have slaves. It tells us how to operate in a world of culture uh, where it already exists. That's a strange thing really to think about. Here's what this verse says. It says a slaveholder who treats a slave with care. Now that, that means they take care of them. Um, they provide for them. They protect them. They care for them. You pamper them. They will, in the end, find that slave to be a son. And so here's how they deal with them. They deal with them justly. They deal with them in fairness. More than that, they deal with them in kindness. They deal with them with graciousness. And if that's how you treat them, the Bible says this, in the end, you'll find them to be like your family, like a son in your family, part of the family. Now, that's a crazy verse, but here's the point. How you treat people builds their response to you. And I'll just tell you, there, that, that's the truth. Over time, inconsistency, how you treat people is going to build their response for you. Now, I want to tell you, it does work both ways. And if you're unfair, and if you're unjust, and if you're rude and not kind, uh, people are building a response to you. But here in this situation, if you treat people, uh, pampering them with gracious and graciousness and kindness, it builds their response to you. All right, verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. 
An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. I, I, I read that verse, and I, I have to remind myself, that wisdom is thousands of years old. So this isn't a new issue. I think our, our age is violent. I think our age is filled with aggression. Uh, I think sin uh, feeds that, and I think that feeds sin. We're going to see that in a second. But understand, this is a problem that's thousands of years old. Uh, it keeps being repeated. Notice we've passed a verse similar to this uh, very frequently as we've moved through the Proverbs. Now, what that means is this must be necessary for us to hear. It must be necessary for us to understand it. The verse says this, an angry man stirs up. Now that's an interesting thing. What do they do? They go around mad. An angry man stirs up, causes, incites, produces strife. An angry man stirs up, produces, incites, strife. That word for strife means conflict, uh, or division. Now there's two things we ought to do with this verse. An angry man causes strife. There's two things we ought to do with this verse. The first thing is this, we ought to watch out for those people. If you find a person and they cause division, they cause strife, they go around, they're always mad about something, they got to tell you about something, watch out for those people. Here's maybe a more important part. The second part is this, do not be one of those people. Do not be one of those people. Well, you don't know. That's how we, that's how we are. I'm a whatever. I'm a Castleberry. That's how we are. We're just mad. Uh, we, and yeah, well, we're just, we're redheaded people. Man, we can get fired up in a second. Uh, and you can just go down the list. That's, well, you just got to understand. That's, that's how my sister is. She's just like that. Do not be one of those people. You get to choose. Now, this is an interesting thing tonight. The Bible says in the New Testament, blessed are the peacemakers. Listen to this. Do you know, and I believe this, in 99% of situations, now it's not all situations because some people are just flat crazy, <laughs> but in 99% of situations, you can, you can escalate the situation. Which means this, in 99% of situations, whatever that situation is, you can pour gas on the situation. You, you can, somebody can do something to you and you say, oh, nope, I've, they got to pay for that. But somebody can do something to you and you get all full of steam up, oh, I've, I've got to do something about that. You can escalate the situation. No, they escalate it. No, you, 99% of situations, you can escalate the situation. Or, listen to me. You can de-escalate the situation. You can do that. You can bring calm to the situation. And let me tell you what it may require. It may require you enduring a wrong. God tells in the Bible, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You may have to say, that's wrong, and I don't like it, and I'm upset about it, and it wasn't right. But you may have to endure a wrong. You know what? I just have to eat it. I'll have to endure a wrong. It may require, and I'll just tell you, most likely it will require you to bite your tongue. You know, sometimes I think, man, I'd like to go over and, and settle that situation. You know what they need? I know what they need, and you know what they need. And I think, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm too good for that. I, I'm not going to do that. 
But I am going to say one last thing. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to say one, one more word. Now listen, I ought to come over there and I ought to just stomp a mud hole in somebody. But I, you know what? I've learned not to do that, and that's not gracious, and, and Christ wouldn't be proud of that. But I will say one last thing getting in the car. But I will say one last thing on the phone. But I will say one last thing just so you hear it as you leave here. You may have to bite your tongue, and for sure, listen to this, you may have to swallow your pride. I don't deserve it. doesn't matter. I didn't earn that. doesn't matter. You're going to have to swallow your pride. We are not to be insiders of strife. 99% of situations, you can escalate it or you can de-escalate the situation. It says, and a hot-tempered man, that's a person that gets angry, abounds in transgression. Transgression is a nice word for sin. They abound in sin. There's a multitude of sin. There's a, a mess of sin when you find a hot-tempered man. Here's what I, I found. Being angry, hot-headed, hot-tempered, vengeful does not produce Christ-like character in us. And you can say, well, what about when he turned the tables over? Different situation. Let me tell you this. Being angry and mad and vengeful, letting that flow into divisiveness, that does not produce Christ-like character in us. Like a sheep before his shears go, not a word is what Isaiah says. He's going to the cross of Calvary. He's been accused unfairly and justly. He says, like a sheep before his shears go. Listen, he could have done, he could have said, nope, not today. In humility. We're not to be people who incite division, anger, violence. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low. Dad gum is what it ought to say. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Now, this requires some thought. Now, I want you to, what is that talking about? It means this. If you are prideful, if you are arrogant, if you are overly confident, if you are a braggart, if you're self-proclaimed smarter than everybody, better than everybody, stronger than everybody, more successful than anyone, listen, if you can't be wrong, I can't be wrong. If you can't be wrong, let me tell you what you've done. You've set yourself up for a fall. Because if you do not succeed in all things at all times, you have failed. And so if you've said, I don't mess up and I don't make mistakes and I'm smarter than you and I don't need correction from anybody and, I, and I, I'm a success at all the things that I do, the first time you're not a success, the only way for you to go is down. When you do, it's image shattering. When you do, your, your pride is going to be crushed as you take your fall. Now, let me tell you the flip side of that. If you are humble, a humble person, now you go back to the root of the word, they serve others first. They consider others first. Now, this isn't a doormat of a person, but you know what they just say? You know what? I, I, I want to I serve others. I want to bless others. I want to put others before myself. They are humble in spirit. I think that ties in. Uh, they're, they're calm in spirit. They're not arrogant. The opposite of, this, of that is true. It's actually a picture of Christ. If you find that person, and I, and I can tell you some of them, you know what? You can't rile them up. You know what? They're not going to be found somewhere running somebody down. You know what? They're not out seeking revenge. 
If you find a person like that, people see that and people like that. I can tell you folks like that. You know what? Those are the folks you want to be around. You know what? That's the calming spirit that you want to spend time with. People see that. They like that. They enjoy that. And they honor that. Verse 24. He who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath but tells nothing. He who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath, but he tells nothing. Now, here's, here's this truth. We keep coming across it. We ought to remember it. Who you associate with matters. Who you associate with matters. Well, it doesn't matter. I, they're just that way. I understand that. I, I compensate for that. I'm not going to be like that. Bible keeps telling us who you associate with matters. Now, it gives us some folks not to associate with. Do not be a fool. Do not be around fools. Uh, hot-headed people. Tells us not to be around, not to associate with hot-headed people. Drunkards. Liars. Uh, the list goes on. Who you associate with matters. I said this a while back. Uh, I think it's still interesting. I read it a while back. If you want to know what you're like, sometimes we have a blind spot, and I know what everybody else is like, but I can't see what I'm like. If you want to know what you are like, this study said this, write down your five closest friends, and that's what you're like. And that's, that's the truth. Write down your five closest friends, here their, here's their names, the people you associate with, maybe you're related to them, maybe you're not, and that's who you are most likely like. The verse says this, he who's a partner with a thief hates his own life. He hears the oath but tells nothing. Now, what in the world does that mean? Leviticus chapter 5, it says a person who hears of a crime, who knows of a crime, and does not tell of that crime, does not testify of that crime, calls for the punishment of the crime to be placed on themselves. And so, you know what? I, I know my friend is cheating on their taxes. I know my friend is, do, is doing these things. And you know what? I like them. I'm not going to stir up anything. That's, that's their business. And we overlook it or we just explain it away. Well, that's the situation or we excuse it. The Bible in Leviticus says we bring that punishment. It actually says we bring that curse upon ourselves. The verse is saying this, who we associate with matters. All right, I'm going to read verse 25 and 26 together. The fear of man brings a snare, a trap, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Let me read those two verses again. The fear of man brings a snare, a trap, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice comes, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Now, here's the question. It's a question of all ages, of all times, and it's this. Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to serve? Who are you listening, taking advice from? What system have you chosen to operate in? Now, the Bible's very clear. There are two systems. There is God's system, and either you operate in that to his honor, or there is the world system, and you operate in that. The Bible says those two things are not 
compatible. So the, the question is this, as you evaluate your life, as you think about the pattern of your life, are you trying to impress people? Are you working in the world system? Uh, is that who you're listening to and taking advice from? Or, or is it God's system? If you try and please man, if your success is sought in man's system, the Bible says this, you're setting a trap for yourself. I watch people and they run and they run and they run to achieving a goal that the world would say, here's the goal. And they burn up their days and they burn up their life and they end up with pain and trouble and chaos because they sought something that wasn't the mission, the goal set from God. I want to tell you our day, we're doing all these things, chasing all of these things, and they're not of God. And when you get there, if you actually pull it off, there is no peace. There is no hope in that thing. You're setting a trap for yourself. Here's the truth. We seek God's wisdom. Hey, it may not be the success of the world, but I want God's wisdom. We seek God's approval. He does right. God does. He knows best. And he, therefore, in his word, they become our standard. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The two things cannot reconcile. All right, verse 27. An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is abominable to the wicked. An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is abominable to the wicked. Now, that is a great truth, and it holds true, of course. An unjust man, this is the person they do the wrong thing, uh, they do the evil thing. Uh, a right-doing man, that's a right-doing person, that's what it's talking about. A, a right-seeking person, they will have no use for that person. You know what? They're, they're lying, they're cheating, they're, uh, they're, they're chasing after sinful things. And a person, you know what? I've decided to do the right thing and I want to walk in righteousness. You know what? I, I, I can't associate with that. You know what? I, I can't get pulled into that. You know what? I, I, I don't see any value in that. And they have no use for that person. That's the truth. And it works both ways. An upright person who does the right thing, who seeks to do the right thing, they are hated by the wicked. Now, the first one I can understand. Hey, I've decided to live in righteousness. I have no tolerance for this mess of sin. But this one to me makes no sense. An upright person, they are also hated by the wicked. Now, why is that? And I, I think about that, and I think, why do they care? If you choose to do right, who cares? If you choose to do the right thing, you know what? They're going to do the wrong thing. They've already decided that. Just do it. Do the right thing. Why do I care? As an evildoer, somebody's going to do the right thing. Who cares? Why do they care? Listen to this. It's because you're doing the right thing judges them in doing the wrong thing. And so, you know, if the neighbor's going to do the wrong thing and you've decided to do the right thing, they've got to hate you. And they've got to spew hatred on you. And they've got to disparage your character because you're doing the right thing. It judges them. It convicts them. They see the right thing. Hey, 
I know what the right thing is. I don't want to do it. It convicts them, and they can't stand it. So they hate the right doer. An unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is abominable to the wicked. That closes out the 29th chapter. I'm going to ask if you'll stand tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that it holds true. I'm thankful that it will stand. I'm thankful that in your grace you've given it to us. I pray, Lord, as we've considered it tonight, as we've passed across it tonight, as we've taken it into our minds and, and prayerfully into our hearts, I pray that we've been shaped tonight, that we've been equipped tonight, that we've been built up for life in a sorry, messed up world tonight. I pray for your church that it will look like you, that it will carry your character as it carries your name. I pray that you'd be pleased in that. Lord, we come and we're thankful for your word. Again, I pray that we take it to heart. I pray for the kids who heard it tonight. Pray for the grandparents and the parents who heard it tonight. Pray for the church who heard it tonight. May, Lord, it bear much fruit. I pray for us as a church, bless us as we carry your name. Help us to stand in a world that wants to go a different direction, a world that wants us to sit down and to be quiet. Uh, Lord, help us to preach the gospel, the only good news that saves, the power of God unto salvation. Help us not to change it. Help us not to mess it up. Help us not to be silent with any of it, part of it. Help us to preach it loudly. Lord, I pray for homes here tonight. Pray for families here tonight. Pray for grandkids here tonight, kids here Pray, pray, Lord, for our town. Uh, bless our town. Lead our town. Uh, help us to, to show our town Jesus. Uh, Lord, I, I pray on this night, especially for kids uh, going to school, kids going back to college, kids uh, leaving home. Um, let them remember the truth that they've heard. Let them find the truth wherever they go. Let them be exposed to the truth. Uh, help them in that process. Lord, we come, and I, as we head into a new week, as we, as we heard this morning, let us do it in joy. Let us do it in gladness. Let us do it in peace. For there was a lamb who stands as one who is having been slain. And yet he is overcome. Lord, let that, let that overshadow us. Let that overpower us this week as we go through the week. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We worship you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.